0: Chicago. It's Startup Hype Man, the podcast. What's up, everyone? My name is Raj Nation, founder and chief pitch artist at Startup Hype Man, where we help startups not suck at how they pitch themselves. How? By making sure their audience sees them not as the best, but as the only. And this podcast is the only show where you will hear from leaders in the startup ecosystem sharing a piece of their heart, their mind, and their story on how they are charting their own path growing their companies, and choosing not to play the game, but to change the game. Before we get going, hit the subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. Also, head over to StartupHypeMan.com and subscribe to our point of view letter, where we share original articles, insights, and resources, all to help you become the only of your industry. All right, get your popcorn ready and get hyped. It's showtime. Ladies and gentlemen, making her way to the microphone from Dushanbe, Tajikistan in the former USSR and currently residing in New York City, she is the founder of TechSpeak. Please welcome Nellie Yusupova! That was so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> she is Nellie Usapoba, as I mentioned, founder of TechSpeak. What is TechSpeak? It's an online learning program developed by Nelly herself, a seasoned CTO, teaching entrepreneurs how to manage development teams and projects like a CTO without being technical or having to learn how to code all based on time-tested strategies and methodologies that she has used and is using every day on every feature, on every project, with every developer. Over 1,200 founders have enrolled in TechSpeak over the last decade. Nellie herself has also worked with hundreds of startups as a consultant, advisor, and fractional CTO. And she's spoken at hundreds, if not thousands, of startup events across the globe. Nelly is a major player when it comes to knowing the tech behind the tech startup that you are developing. And I am so excited to have her on the show today, specifically to talk about your technology as an entrepreneur. And our topic today is the six qualities to look for in a CTO. Off the bat, Nelly, first off, welcome again. Tell us why is this on your mind? Why is this important to you?
1: Hi, Raj. Um, This is a question that I get on a daily basis with lots and lots of founders uh, who are non-technical, and the first thing that they think they need to do is they need a CTO. and This is such a big mistake (laughs) because, as we'll talk about today, um, in the early stages, you actually don't need a CTO. Uh, You need someone who can actually code your early version of your product. and. My goal in educating and answering this question for a lot of founders is showing them that there's a lot of action steps that they can take, even without a technical co-founder or CTO. And by the virtue of taking those steps, they can actually attract a better technical co-founder or CTO.
0: We're going to dive all into that in just a few minutes. But first, let's learn a little bit more about Nellie herself. Now, Nellie, um, you have a very, very unique background personally in the fact that you are, you were a war refugee and coming to the United States before the collapse of the Soviet Union. I think you've got a pretty interesting worldview as a result of that. What did being a refugee teach you about the human experience?
1: Well, I think it really defined my trajectory and how I approached my career, because, you know, I came to this country without a language. i uh, it was a huge culture shock, <laughs> even from a tech perspective, I was never we were, I feel like we were thirty years behind there on a the technology front. Um, I never had a computer. I turned on a computer for the first time when I decided to major in computer science. Like it was a complete culture shock. But what taught me, being without resources is that I was lucky. Every single thing and every single challenge that came my way, I felt like it was an opportunity. And I was so lucky to get that opportunity. And I said yes to a lot of things before I was ready. I, you know, Giving up was never an option. So I kept persevering, even though things were hard. Uh, like, as I mentioned, when I majored in computer science, I actually had no idea what it meant. I thought they were going to teach me how to use Microsoft Word and Microsoft Excel really, really well. So, um, you know, going from that to finishing my computer science degree in three years instead of the standard four, that was the drive that I got as a result of being, I believe, um, the, the first generation immigrant and having like having no time. I felt like I had no time and I just wanted to go out and accomplish more things because I felt like I was behind
0: that's pretty incredible that you enrolled in computer science, thinking you were going to learn the basics of how to use a computer, not how to essentially create a computer. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, how do you feel then that experience, you know, because I hear that and I hear resilience and grit, Um did you see that echoed throughout your family as well, or was this something that you were kind of independent, not, not in the computer specifically, but that idea of resilience and grit, is this something that you did see everyone in your family who came with you um, embodying?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, in my parents who, for them, learning the language was a big, big deal. You know, they both, like my, eventually my dad became, he did every job on the planet to be able to save up enough money to buy a business. My mom uh, went through nursing school, and she learned on her own. And to be able to pass all of the exams, she had to start from the very beginning. And she became an RN. My brother and sister became pharmacists. You know, it, we all went to school and accomplished a lot of things in a very short period of time. And I think, you know, there's actually a lot of stats that people are actually studying, st- starting to study in the startup space. A lot of startup founders who are first generation immigrants. They are able to accomplish a lot because of this uh, resilience and grit, and, and really being able to. I feel like being determined, but also not having an option to fail. <laughs> Those right. two drivers really make you um, just relentless about pursuing what it is that you're passionate about.
0: I think it's the there's so much value in being, quote unquote, counted out. If you are trying to build a company, um, because like, like you said, you will find any possible way imaginable when you know there's no safety net, no fallback, and your your ability to be resourceful, I think, is so much better than someone who perhaps hasn't had adverse life circumstances to that point. And uh, you know, as my favorite musical Hamilton likes to say, immigrants, we get the job done. <laughs> um so one more question on this topic um, and then we'll get into our main stuff. When you came to the US, you know, aside from learning computers and everything, what was the biggest culture shock that you experienced that you recall?
1: Oh my gosh, I think the first one that I was totally floored about is how the, the teacher-student dynamic. <laughs> In, like, in Russia or the former Soviet Union, we had such a respect for um, our school teachers and how we were expected to behave in school and learn. And when I came here and I saw students talking back to their teachers and totally like dismiss them. It was, <laughs> I just couldn't believe that something like this was allowed. Um, and, you know, that was the biggest thing that I saw right away because we had, we went to school and I think there was a lot of little things. And a lot of it was how people just took all of the opportunities for granted. They were always complaining about the lack of versus for me, it was, I can't believe all of these things uh, like, or at yes. your fingertips and you, you, you have all of these opportunities. Um, we came from an environment where you went into a store and there was nothing on the shelf to here. We came and I walked, I remember the first time I walked into a store and f- there were so many colors and every single shelf was stacked with stuff. And I just couldn't believe, you know, the opportunity again, that was my mindset. I felt like people here were so lucky mm-hmm. um, and there was a lot of things like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it, it's a it's a much different perspective when you come from something else, and I, and I I think yeah, there's a lot to be learned there, and I'm sure that perspective is in a way shaped how you view technology. So let's talk through, uh, you know, your professional background now, and you know, you've been running TechSpeak for I believe about a decade. How did this whole thing get started in the first place?
1: Yeah, so um, I became a CTO. The the story kind of repeats. <laughs> I got <laughs> into startups by accident, I feel like, because my family uh, encouraged me to go get a job at a big, a re- reputable company, so for job security. And if I got a job at a big company, that, to me, was how I made it. Uh, but when I was in school, I got an internship at a startup called Web Girls, and it was, their whole mission was to get more women online. So this is back mm-hmm. in the early 90s. The internet boom is happening. And I walk into that room and immediately got the entrepreneur bug because I just couldn't believe that people were excited, as excited as I saw them doing their work. And so that's how I got started. And you know, eventually, that internship turned into a part-time job, turned into a full-time job. And I was literally running the entire tech department by the time I graduated school, simply because the two guys that were there, they left. And I was the default person that literally had to take over. And again, an opportunity of a lifetime. And I just said yes. And I just learned a lot. And uh, you know, I did go work for a big company very briefly because, again, culture shock coming from right. startups and literally having root access to all of the servers and then becoming <laughs> having no access to anything. Um, I jumped back uh, to uh, WebGirls. Just about 11 months later, when they gave me this opportunity of literally a lifetime, they told me that I could be a CTO, take on the reins. And obviously, you know, in my early 20s, I wasn't CTO material. So we'll talk about the importance of um, being able to get somebody, but also grow into that role. And it took me about 10 years of you know making a lot of mistakes and learning on the fly with my team and, and understanding what, what were the good processes, what were the bad processes, what should we be doing, and what are the different mistakes that we made. And so that was the catalyst that really gave me a lot of the experience that I needed to be able to become a well-rounded CTO. I did marketing, I, I actually cold called, <laughs> which was another <laughs> funny story. You know, and all of these opportunities that came my way only because I was in a startup, you know, made me the CTO that I needed to become. And mm-hmm. so through that is when I started going out and speaking and training and got exposed to working with other founders. and I just heard one horror story after another with early-stage founders, first-time founders, not knowing how to efficiently run a team, manage a team, especially if you're not technical, uh, how do you actually set those expectations? How do you communicate clear, clearly? And so, over time, after hearing lots and lots of horror stories I and ap- looking for resources, there was nothing out there that taught from beginning to end, how do you actually do this effectively? So, I thought I was going to teach it. <laughs> so, I created the curriculum. I uh, made uh, it, it's 10 modules where I teach from beginning to end using lean agile methodologies, which are the most efficient ways of quickly iterating through the product development process. and How do you actually take that process and implement it with your teams? How do you set a culture around it and really increase your product velocity as a team and as a leader, what are the different things that you need to do to be able to make sure that your team is actually using those processes? So that's how TechSpeak was born. And it started as a, an online boot, uh, as an in-person boot camp that I used to teach over a weekend. and now it's online. Uh, post-pandemic, which actually allows me to scale myself a little bit better. so but We can talk about that later. Of
0: course. Yeah, it's something I experienced as well. I was previously doing all my workshops in person, and then I was like, wait a second, these can be just as effective on Zoom with more people on them. Yeah. So, okay, so let's get into our main topic today, which is the six qualities to look for in a CTO. Now, you know, I I have my eyes on a lot of startup pitches, a lot of demo days, a lot of, you know, casual, like 1 million cups events, you know, different way, different areas, startups are doing their pitch. And, you know, a lot of times their ask slide is a, is for funding, but uh, there's enough times where they're not necessarily asking for funding or in addition to asking for funding anyway, they're like, and we're also looking for a CTO. So if you have any names or references or introductions, we would love to talk to you. So, you know, you hear that from a startup founder and they, you know, they say, I'm looking for a CTO. How how do you respond?
1: Well, I always dig deeper because the type of person that you need uh, will change depending on what you, what stage you're in, uh, how much traction you have, what industry you're in, what the current team structure is. All of these will help you actually understand who do I need to hire What skill sets they should have and all of these other things that are important to actually find the right person for the right stage and with the right skill set that you have.
0: So understanding that, I think um, perhaps when we say we need a CTO, especially in the early stage, like what are the what are the considerations we should be taking into account for is this like and, and are we perhaps misusing the term CTO? I guess I should ask.
1: Yeah. I think so. I think when people in the early stages say, I need a CTO, what they really are saying is, I need a developer who will work for equity that will code the very first version of my product. Because <laughs> in the beginning of your uh, stage, at the very, very beginning, your goal is to build a product, right? And the true definition or the true title of a CTO is a person who is a manager, person who scales systems, who scales teams who manages people right and very very little of their time is actually spent on coding because you just don't have enough hours in the day but that's not what you need at the beginning you need someone who can actually get their hands dirty and write the code for the very first version of your product so knowing that actually frees up the 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 challenge i think that a lot of people have when when it takes to hire a CTO, because that's a very, very hard person to hire, as we'll go through the qualities that a CTO should have. It's a very rare person to find. And so you should be, the entire time that you're building your startup, networking to find that person, but know that it's going to take a long time to find that. But in the meantime, all you need is a developer to get started. And so that I think uh, when they learn that from from a lot of the videos that I have and a lot of the education that I have, a lot of people actually take a breath right of relief because that is so much more empowering they know that oh i can start and make tra- uh, progress so that i can receive traction uh, for my for my idea for my startup and actually get customers and what that does indirectly is make you a lot more attractive to a potential cto to say yet to say yes to you
0: so you know the title topic is the six qualities so let's get into these these actual six qualities right so what is that first quality your cto should have
1: so the first quality your cto should have is technical expertise on a lot of different technologies and understand what new technologies and trends are on the horizon because unlike a developer who's generally a specialist and is familiar with a small subset of technologies That are within their expertise umbrella. A CTO needs to be an expert in a lot of different things because, and they're not a deep expert, right? Because they need to understand the pros and cons. They need to understand what's happening on the horizon that you can bring into your company to give you an edge. And that is really um, your ability to learn really quickly. Technology changes so much. Uh, and so quickly, it, what you need is a generalist who can go and learn all the different pros and cons of all the different technologies, so that you can potentially bring those into your startup. So um, that's why uh, I always say a, t- a CTO generally wouldn't be an expert in any specific thing, and uh, your there would be managing a lot of experts right at some point. And so, you, if you need a machine learning expert or a blockchain expert, those will be people who work under the CTO, but the CTO has to have a high-level understanding of all of the different technologies and then be able to learn all new things that are coming up as well very quickly.
0: So, the ability to go wide as opposed to deep. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. How might someone be able to suss that out in an initial discussion?
1: Well, <laughs> the... There's two 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 things to hiring, especially if you're not technical, right? What you want to be able to do is um, d- make sure that the CTO is aligned with your values, with your company values, with uh, that they're a, ma- a match and a fit for your company. But when it comes to assessing are they a good CTO material, I think you can't really do that. You have to have someone technical assessing the CTO's ability to actually. Know what it is that they're talking about, mm-hmm. right? So, as, especially if you're not technical, these this is where a lot of your network will come in handy. Uh, being able to either turn to a fractional CTO or an advisor, that's something that you can use and leverage to be able to assess is this the right person? And do they have that ability to learn quickly? Um, mm-hmm. Are they technical enough to begin with? You know, if, you know, they're not writing code, but are they technical enough? To, um, to understand that this is, this is the direction that we should be going versus this and this ability to determine and assess which different types of technologies we should be using and what is their approach to doing that and how are they evaluating all of this stuff.
0: One of the points you mentioned there was being able to go to your network to help figure out are these the right kinds of answers or is this the right way of thinking about this? <laughs> Now, I think that's a good segue because your second quality in looking for a CTO is actually having a great network, the CTO having that. I'm curious, how do you quantify or qualify the value of great? Yeah.
1: I, well, here I qualify great. a great network is having a diverse and skill set of developers. So having access to um, to that type of, um, to that type of community, essentially, if you want to say phrase sure. it that way, right? So diverse because you want to be able to have access to a lot of different types of people, uh, and skilled because very specific skills are necessary. So when you need a t- this type of developer, you have access to that type of a person. And skilled developers, especially now, are so so hard to find. And The key here is that they're almost never looking for work (laughs) but because they're so good, right? They always have a job, but they're always open to opportunities. And so the reason why having a great network is so important is because when somebody taps on your shoulder that you trust, that you look up to, that you potentially may want to work for, and they say, hey, come work with me, you know, there's a lot higher chance of them saying yes to you or to your CTO than to a recruiter, or if you reach out to them directly. So that's why it's it's having access and the connection and the trust with your network that will allow the CTO to essentially give you that edge when it comes to hiring, because it's so, so hard to find people nowadays that, um, that are great.
0: So... Coming back to that notion of like sussing this out or not, is it appropriate in a hiring process or an interview process? You know, because I'm, I'm sure someone who's good at this is going to say, oh, yeah, I've got a great network of people that, you know, I know I can reach out to them and we can bring them onto our team, that kind of stuff. Is it appropriate to ask that person? Great. Can I talk to three of those people in your network?
1: Yeah, I think not enough people do that. Uh, and so, re- checking references is really important. And if you want to check specific people in their network, that's a great—that's a great way to do that as well. Um, and again, you're you're reaching out to see what is the relationship like, right? So having a great network is not enough, but is there trust? Is there um, have they worked in the past together? Like if this person taps on the shoulder and they love to work together, you know, the chances of them saying yes are much, much higher rather than they're just an acquaintance or they're connected on LinkedIn and they've never talked. Right? So you want to be able to make sure that those are deep relationships and see how other people talk about this person. And would they want to eventually, you, know, you can even ask them in your vetting process, hey, would you ever work with this person and why? That's a great question to not, not that you're actually asking, will they work for them? But what they say is going to give you a lot of clues as to, is there a deep relationship here or are they just acquaintances Uh, and they just got connected on LinkedIn yesterday?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the first quality is technical expertise. Second quality is having a great network. Now your third quality that you recommend is product experience. I'm actually very curious to know, like, how do you define... Te- I mean, you talk about technical expertise before. Now, I hear product experience and I'm thinking, okay, maybe knowing how to develop a product, so perhaps that bleeds into technical expertise. Can you talk through product experience on its own and how that differs from technical expertise?
1: Yes, absolutely. So when we're talking about technical expertise, this is being able to assess technology or the technology stack, what specific technologies to build with, Right? Versus understanding product is understanding what customers' needs are. Are you building technology for technology's sake, which a lot of technical people do because they love just building cool things? But is this person focused on customers? That's the most important thing. And do they have experience interfacing with customers and building customer centric products? That is what I think makes a CTO unique when they are not just a techie, but they're also a business person and they understand the problems and they understand that building tech is not just because it's cool, but because we are solving problems for customers. That is the the, the whole point of really understanding that they know what product is all about and that they, they can take and connect and they have enough empathy to be able to connect with the actual customers who, as a business, ultimately, we're building products for customers, right?
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting because the empathy piece is something I talk about all the time when it comes to to building a pitch, right? You've got to be able to have empathy for your customer and be able to speak in a way that shows you can empathize with them, whether you're pitching customers or investors. You've got to be able to show you can relate to the end user, the end customer, but Sounds like that also is a very important trait as you think about how your CTO thinks about the development of the product. And and I want to clarify, it doesn't mean necessarily that when you say product experience, it means they personally have built from scratch X number of products. What you're saying is they have been on enough projects to where they've had to figure out how do we increase the usability of this? How do we make it stickier, et cetera?
1: Absolutely. Because... When you are leading a team, and you know usually you're building some kind of a product with the team, you need to uh, set the goals. You need to set the vision. And if you're not focused on products, you're focused on just we're just going to build this thing because it's cool. You know that mindset or those the culture that you're creating around how you're approaching. Building a, um, a product is going to go down into the actual people who are going to be building it, your product people, your developers, they're all going to get a lot of cues on what do they need to care about? What are our key performance indicators? You know, what should we focus on? What should we think about? And if it's about customers, you know, that's if you, if the CTO is thinking about customers, your entire team is going to be thinking about customers. That's the reason why it's so important.
0: Mm, if your CTO is thinking about customers, your entire team will think about customers. Very, very um, important line that I hope everyone listening writes down or put burns in your brain. okay If your CTO is thinking about customers, your entire, <laughs> Team, your entire company will think about the customers. I want to take a step back for a moment. This episode we're talking about today is all about the six qualities to look for in a CTO as you think about product, right? And so perhaps you, as you're building your product, as you're building your company, you're thinking about your own product strategy and design. And perhaps the idea of maybe not even doing this yourself, but bringing in an outside resource altogether is the path for you because the reality is creating an app is easy, making it stay afloat on the, market. It, on the market is definitely not. If you didn't know, about four and five apps launched in the app store are being deleted after one use. And I actually can look at my phone and realize there are like nine apps I downloaded, used once. They went back up into the cloud and I have not hit the delete button, but I probably, but I have no intention of ever using them again. So, how do you thrive without a profound product strategy experience? Well, luckily, you're not doomed to failure. You just need an experienced partner that can help you all the way through. And that is Mikito, the team of design, software development, and product strategy experts that have built over 150 successful products for startups and enterprises. Yours might be next. So, check them out at mikido.comslash hypeman. That's M I Q U I D slash hypeman to see if they are the right partner for you in defining, building, and scaling your product strategy and design. Speaking of product strategy and design, today on Startup Hype Man, the podcast, I've got Nellie Yusupova as our guest talking through the six qualities to look for in a CTO. Now, qualities one through three were technical expertise, a great network, and product experience. Nelly, what's the fourth quality you should look for in a CTO? The fourth
1: quality is communication skills, both technical and non technical. So this is really important because you need to be, so I always view CTOs as a person translating between business people and technical people. They are this really important in between role and communication as is at the heart of that. You need to be able to effectively communicate to both in at the level that both are expecting, right? So if you're talking to your technical people, you need to be able to get down to the technical details. But if you're talking to business people or non-technical people, you need to be self-aware enough and avoid assuming that the audience knows all of the tech that you're talking about. So you need to be able to simplify concepts and talk in a way where it's you know, taking really complex technical concepts and communicate them in much simpler terms and never, ever, ever, ever talk down to someone simply because they are less technical than you. So that's that's a skill that, you know, is very, very rare to be able to, if you're super technical, to be able to break it down to, to, and talk to someone like it's a five-year-old, right? right. Uh, but if you are able to find someone who is, who is easily... Doing that, you know, that's a great skill. Uh, good communication goes hand in hand with really good listening, and so it, I think is really really important. Into the next quality that we'll talk about with management, uh, being able to know and listen for what your team members need, your leadership team, your um, the market, what all of the different things that are happening. And take all of those points and being able to then communicate it back to all the different stakeholders that you are managing. That's really what communication is about.
0: It's funny because that idea, it's, it's so funny how similar this is to like pitch work, because similarly, when you're pitching, you should be able to explain it as easy as, you know, a five-year-old or a third grader could understand it. And it's funny in a product sense or in a CTO sense, right? Like that person needs to be able to s- distill these technical com- concepts into something that is easy to understand by pretty much anyone. And one of the things I often talk about, and I'm sure I'm curious to get your opinion, I should say, is you know whether it is a marketing, a sales a product issue, an employee issue, an employer issue... I actually believe every problem fundamentally comes down to a communication problem, right? Like everything can be solved by communication. What's your take on that?
1: I a thousand percent agree. I think communication is the number one reason or lack of communication is the number one reason why a lot of projects fail. Mm -hmm. And if people were able to communicate more clear, had enough processes that will that would create a lo- a little bit more transparency between all the different tasks that are being done, which is also communication. Mm-hmm. We can be so much more efficient at minimizing the problems, right? The problems will still exist, but you can minimize a lot of those mistakes even before they occur, simply by being able to clearly communicate, say what you need, and and also say it in a way that other people can understand without assuming that they just... You know, they got it. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> right.
1: over, sometimes over-communicating over is even better than not communicating enough.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think that bleeds into what you had teased out before, which is the next quality, the fifth one of management. And I think managing expectations is part of that as well. And uh, as I've seen you present it before, you talk about management a lot in the terms of like deadline management, right? Now, when we think about deadline management with this fifth quality, there is the ability to deliver something on time, right? And that's, that's meeting a deadline. There's also, I think, a separate skill or a tangential skill anyway, which is uh, creating a timeline that's going to work in the first place. How do you, when you look at a CTO, how much do you need the skill of delivering on time versus creating a good timeline and a proper timeline in the first place? And what do you think is required for one or the other or both?
1: Yeah, so I think they're connected, right? So delivering things on time and creating a proper timeline are, you know, they can't exist one without the other. So a great CTO should be able to know how much their team can deliver in a certain amount of time. And they should be able to inspire their team to successfully meet their deadline. So that's the first piece. They should also be able to implement the specific processes to increase product development efficiency and improve the transparency and the communication within the team so that they can essentially improve over time. Mm-hmm. So knowing what the baseline is for the team, knowing how to inspire them to be better, and then introducing processes so that as a team over time they get better and better and better. So improving this process and team communication I think is a big key factor to deadline management because the key is not just to meet the deadline but to beat the deadline. And if you're able to focus on optimizing your team's efficiency, team's communication, team's speed right? At the end of the day, you're not only increasing your bottom line, you're also beating that deadline. So you're constantly are ahead. So the baseline, but you want to be able to beat that baseline.
0: So you're a believer that showing up early is showing up on time.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think what's interesting is how much each of these skills weave into one another, right? Like, because in order to set the right timeline and get your team to beat that that timeline or that deadline you've got to be able to communicate with them right you've got to be able to empathize with them if they're stuck on something right you've got to make sure that they understand what like that this is ultimately like for the customer and what you're doing for the customer so uh, you know it's like this isn't six pillars of quality this is like one web of qualities that has six you know six prongs coming out of it or six I don't know if there's prongs in a web, but you get you can you can create the image here anyways in your head. So let's talk about that sixth and final skill, which I, I do think is probably a summation of the first five in a sense, which uh, is people skills. So talk to me about people skills, both in the context of maybe what's been said already, but but is there anything additional that we need to know about people skills?
1: Yeah, so people skills are things like listening, learning, empathy, understanding and caring what motivates each individual team player and also have the desire to see your team grow professionally mm. i think those are some of the key things obviously it's all about the people and all about individual people some so many people are asking me like how do i how do i get my team to respond to what i'm saying and or i hate you know that Pretentious small talk, and I say, don't do small talk. Actually, care about what it is that they do. What are their um, What are the things that they care about, and what motivates each individual? And it's not always about money. That's like you know, if you're trying to. This is I'm going to share this example because it it illustrates the point so well. So, I am uh, thinking I'm going to give this guy a raise. My one of my uh, team members. And because I really saw that he was delivering, he cared. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to, I need to give him a raise. And that was, I went into our conversation thinking that is going to be the carrot that I'm going to give him. And after listening and really talking, what really wanted, what, 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 would give him that, what he thought was the carrot for him. And he told me that he wanted that year to attend five conferences. Huh, And that would make him so happy. I was like, oh, five conferences? That's it? Like, I was going to give him 10 times more in terms of um, a raise. Don't
0: say that now. This is on record. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, He no longer works for me. But uh, (laughs) but that was the, um, you know, I really listened, not just assumed that that's what I should give him, but understood what motivates him. And he told me that if I give him this, that would make him so happy. Not only am I helping him, I'm also helping myself because all of the skills that he would learn at this conference eventually will end up benefiting the company. So that's the type of listening I'm talking about. So creating things that you're doing with your employees and how do you actually sit down and listen to what each individual needs. And then as a team, you know, obviously figuring out how we can move forward through that. That's really, really key. Being able to communicate all of that in an effective manner. Again, communication is such a big key of all of this and develop a culture develop a culture around your team's needs that will help you, the CTO, to inspire the team to keep focusing and working towards the same goals and be able to create this environment where your employees can reach their maximum potential. And If you're not tuned in to what their needs are, you can't figure out how to help them get there because if your goal is to… Make sure that people stay at your company. Your CTO is going to be an instrumental factor in this, and the developer culture that they create and maintain will not only attract those people who want to work in a developer-friendly environment and or because they heard from their friends how cool this person to work for, then it's also a way to retain your great talent. So that's why all of these things are so important. This key person that we talked about is so so important to attracting and retaining people and their ability to have all of these people skills that we talked about that are all connected, right, to making your company successful. That was uh, that is what the CTO's main job is. That's not what you need at the beginning, right? At the mm-hmm. beginning you need a developer. But over time, you want to be able to find this rare person to lead your team to success.
0: So to recap, our six qualities are one, technical expertise, two, having a great network, three, product experience, four, communication skills, five, deadline management, and six, people skills. So now, you know, I know these six qualities, right? So I'm prepared to look for the right CTO. What is a likely way I might still screw this whole thing up even though I know the six qualities?
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest mistakes I see people make around hiring a CTO is that they neglect to consider whether whoever they're talking to is a good cultural fit. Mm-hmm. Not Not enough people focus on cultural fit because you could have the most perfect CTO on paper with all of the skills and experiences that we just talked about. But ultimately, if they don't match your company values, they will very, very rarely be successful at their job. Mm -hmm. Let's say you are in uh, femtech, which means that you're solving a lot of problems for women. And you bring in somebody who is totally not in, in tune with that, doesn't care about that problem, and rolls their eyes at that problem, right? It's not a good fit. They're, mm-hmm. No matter how good they are at their skills, if they don't resonate with the problem you're trying to solve, if they uh, don't care,
0: right? Can, yeah. Right.
1: If, you, if, if they don't connect ultimately to the thing that you want to change in the world and how you want to do that it's just going to be a really bad outcome that which is why i'm such a big proponent for first hiring for dna determine what is the dna and the culture of your company and then hire every employee based on dna first and then skill set whether it's for cto and everybody else but for cto it's so important because they're c level executive right they're going to be responsible for hiring people, for creating the culture. And that's the only way that you can scale as a company. If your if you, if you first hire, your CTO is not a cultural fit, everyone else that they're going to hire is not going to be a cultural fit. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so important to get this first hire, to be on point on every single level. And culture is a big, big part of it.
0: Let's begin our wrap up now. So Nellie, where can our listeners find you? Where can they learn more about TechSpeak? And if they were interested in learning more about, you know, having you as their fractional CTO, how might they go about that?
1: Yeah. So I have lots of resources on my website, TechSpeak.co. I have uh, four different online classes that I teach that are absolutely free. Um, on how to cut your product development costs by up to fifty percent, reach product market fit a lot faster, and how to effectively manage a team, even if you're not technical, I give you all of my processes um, so you can go and learn and um, jump in. There's, you know, it's all free and available for you to to as a starting point to start learning and understanding the importance of that.
0: Awesome. Now, who is one person who you want to shout out?
1: Um, I'm not going to say one person, but I'm going to shout out the Web Girls founding team for in the early 90s believing in me and giving me this opportunity of a lifetime without which you know <laughs> I wouldn't be where I am right now um, and giving me the platform to be able to and the freedom to be able to grow into a well-rounded CTO and giving me the qualities that eventually I learned that um, made me who I am today.
0: We will now give our top one or two lessons or takeaways for the listeners based on the discussion today. I'll go first and I'll toss it over to you. Our topic today was the six qualities to look for in a CTO. Well, naturally, all six qualities are the top takeaways or lessons, but specifically within that, I just think you know what you identified near the beginning of our conversation is so important, which is really ask yourself the question: do I need someone who just need who, could, who do I need someone who just needs to code and build a product? for low cost or for equity? Or do I need someone whose job is going to be to essentially run a team? And do not shoot yourself in the foot by mistaking CTO for developer and developer for CTO. Nellie, your top one or two lessons or takeaways for the audience based on this discussion.
1: So I think the big takeaway for me that I would highlight is that you should set the right expectations for how long it's going to take you to find a CTO. It's not uncommon for you to take six-plus months. I've known people who have been looking for a CTO for two years, and that's okay. I don't want you to settle just because someone says, I'm going to be your CTO, I'm going to be working for equity, and the first, especially as a non-technical person, I feel like if you are asking 100 people and 100 people say no and then that 101st person says yes, you're like, oh my gosh, somebody said yes to me. I'm just automatically going to say yes. Like <laughs> That's a big, big mistake. Don't say yes simply because somebody else said yes to you. Go through the six-point list that we talked about. Make sure that they're a cultural fit and build a relationship with them over time. And if and when the time is right, make sure that you bring them into your team and make that decision, not from a position of need, but from a position of opportunity, because that is going to make a big, big deal. Uh, So that's that's my biggest takeaway. Take your time. (laughs) Don't say yes. Don't settle.
0: Yeah. So similar to that, often when I'll tell companies about a timeline for raising money, or even I remember like talking to people in the past about like who wanted to like quit their jobs and you know, whatever. And uh, my whole thing with these, these, whether it's hiring or whether it's fundraising or whether it's looking for a job, it's like, assume it's going to take twice as long as you think it will take, but also figure out a way to get it done in half the time that you think it's going to take, right? Which creates a pretty wide zone. But um, anyone, you know, anyone who like quits their job is like, oh yeah, I'll just get another job in like three months. Assume it's going to take six, right? And maybe have your own personal financial runway for six months. But at the same time, act with the urgency to get it done in, you know, in forty-five days if you think it's going to take three months. And similarly, I think yeah. fundraising, hiring, all this stuff, right? Like, and it's absolutely- long game, and 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 do your part to make it efficient.
1: Yeah, and it's it it also plays into the fact that you're constantly need to need to be out there. I say it's like a dating game, right? No one is going to knock on your door and say, hey, right. here I am. So you have to make the point of actually showing up to different events where you could potentially meet your uh, CTOs or ask for introductions, uh, build up your network and build relationships with people over time so that by the time you're actually ready for someone, you already have people that you can tap into. And by the way, You know, in the meantime, while you're looking for a CTO, you can maybe use some of the people that you're meeting as advisors or fractional CTOs to help you with that high level strategic advice over time. Uh, But it's not something that you need right away.
0: My final question, which is how we end every episode on this show fill in the blank, Nellie. Entrepreneurship is blank, it's one big adventure. 100. that's
1: why I love entrepreneurship is because it's, it's so free flowing. You can make it what you want and it's an adventure. Um, I look at it as a, as a fun thing that it's and, and creative, uh, as well.
0: Entrepreneurship is one big adventure. She is Nellie Yusupova from TechSpeak. Nellie, thank you so much for joining today on Startup Hype Man, the podcast.
1: It was uh, such a pleasure to speak about this topic and I look forward to keeping in touch, Reg.
0: And every listener out there, stay tuned because coming up soon in the Startup Hype Man pipeline is the official Startup Hype Man mixtape. That's right. We're dropping a hip hop album dedicated to startups and the founder journey coming soon in 2022. So if you're not subscribed already, Join our point of view letter at StartupHypeMan.com where you'll get you'll be the first to know when it drops. That's a wrap on this one. Shout out to our guest once again for sharing their story with us. If what you heard impacted you, do one of three things. One, let our guests know. Reach out to them directly. They love hearing from you. Two, leave a rating and review on Apple. Or three, simply hit the share button and share this episode with one friend who you think would benefit from hearing it. Catch our full episode archive at StartupHypeMan.com slash podcast. And if you want to make your pitch not suck, reach out to us through the website. That's all for this week. We'll catch you next time. Raj Nation out. Believe the hype.